Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 8 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz, uh, coming to us from the middle of a road trip across the Midwestern United States. Absolutely. Some place <laughs> lost in the middle of Iowa. <laughs> Very nice. And we're coming to you uh, just after the week one of uh, college football has ended, or just about ended, that we're recording this on uh, Sunday, and tomorrow there's the big game with Ohio State against Virginia Tech, which is the one game we're still looking forward to. Um, so this is the first podcast that we're doing of the actual season, now that we're getting into that, and what we're planning on doing from now on is, because we are a Nebraska-slash-national kind of focused podcast, we're going to do uh, two short podcasts after each week of uh, after each weekend I should say of football has ended one that will focus exclusively on the Nebraska game because that's what we'll have the most thoughts on and then we'll do another one that's all about our reaction to the national uh, scheme what's changed you know how the Big Ten has shifted things of that nature sounds great let's uh, let's jump right into it that's right and before we jump right into it this time, I'm the one with the uh, beer to crack on my end, so I'll go ahead and commemorate this. All right. Now, that, that's a really good idea, given the fact that I think I've had a, enough consumption of that <laughs> beverage for the week. That's true. Well, that's because you are the lucky son of a dog who got to go to the uh, BYU game in Lincoln while I was stuck here in California. That's right. Uh, along with your... Your sisters and, and your mom, uh, we made our, our uh, trek to, uh, to the Holy Land, so to speak, <laughs> the mothership <laughs> of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, to uh, take in a game, which was a great weekend of uh, family uh, fellowship and uh, just had a, had a blast uh, with everything except the outcome of the game. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about that because there's some good to be gleaned from that game as well. Um, on my end, uh, I actually got involved uh, with a group called Californians for Nebraska that's out here in uh, the great state of California, and uh, and it turns out they do these uh, game hosting events at like certain bars, and there's one here close to pretty close to where I live in LA uh, that I got to go to, and there was a lot more people than I was expecting, probably like 50 some people in this second level of this bar, you know, and they had special, like, uh, they had a little Nebraska-specific menu, and, like, Bloody Marys were really cheap, and that sort of thing, uh, and they had food, and good times all around, so that was a lot of fun to be able to go there and experience the game with other fans, you know, so cheering when we did well, and, you know, talking with people, and during the commercial breaks about what was going wrong, and things like that. There were a lot of ups and downs throughout that game, uh, and it was good to be able to experience that with a crowd, certainly. That is really cool, and I'm really glad you were able to do that. That's actually an experience that uh, your, your Uncle Joe uh, did many times uh, out there in the years that he was in the Los Angeles area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something I plan on repeating as the season goes on. All right, so yes, this is going to be our game, our podcast hosted, focused exclusively on the Nebraska-BYU game, the season opener. And we're just going to kind of break down our thoughts, the goods, the bads, you know, our overall impressions of uh, what came out of the game. 
Uh, and so I'm going to start off with some of the positives that came out of the game. And uh, the first positive I want to talk about was something that uh, we had talked, you and I had talked a bit about on one of our previous podcasts, the pregame we did for this BYU game, which was that uh, about improvements with Tommy Armstrong in terms of both his physical progress over the season as well as his like team management and you know confidence and things like that. And I definitely think, you know, that first quarter series where he got us those two touchdowns real fast, like, really showed off an increased uh, confidence and awareness on his part. You know, definitely lots of improvements in his passing game. Um, And so I was very, very happy overall with what I saw from him there. He did, you know, especially in the second quarter, he slipped back into some of his bad tendencies of throwing off, like, his back foot or... Uh, one thing I hate that he does is when he flings the ball as he's getting ta- as he's getting sacked, you know, to try to get rid of it, but then it just ends up as intentional grounding. I really hope he kicks that habit. Um, <laughs> but overall, I think I'm d- definitely very happy with what I saw from him and looking forward to uh, the improvements he can still make over the course of the season if he stays healthy. Yeah, you know, and I I would share a number of those uh, same observations, Alex. Uh, but uh, since you're spending some time talking about uh, Tommy Armstrong, you know that that flipping the ball, you know, if if he does that a little bit differently, oh, the the rules a little better. Did you lose me? Just for a second. Okay. Uh, uh, the rules for um, uh, just a little bit more. He he might be able to get away with that. That's actually not a. A completely bad idea when you're in that situation, um, but you, you just you got to make sure you can execute. Uh, you know what the minimum standard is for that, which is you've got to get that ball in the direction of a potential receiver and beyond the line of scrimmage. If he had accomplished those two things, then he he would have likely been able to uh, avoid that. Plus, if it's just one of these flings where he's not even looking at it or anything, yeah. sometimes a ref will throw the flag anyway because it's so obvious. That it was just a, uh, an intentional grounding. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's prime area for interceptions, which is what scares right. me every time I see him do it. He just—it's <laughs> it, basically just a simple fact. If he needs to make, if he's going to throw it out of bounds, he needs to make that decision quicker. Earlier. I agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and there were a couple so, times where like he locked on. You could tell like he locked on to Wester Camp, and like there were other receivers open and things like that, but. Overall, uh, definitely some significant improvement from him. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Okay. And then um, one of the other things, another thing we talked about on the previous podcast, uh, our wide receivers played quite well throughout the game. You know, made made a number of good catches. Um, and you know, they they blocked very well too. Actually, there were quite a number of plays on the perimeter where either it was one of those wide receiver, wide receiver screens or whether it was just blocking for some of the, um, um, you know, little fly sweeps or running uh, wide running plays. It just seemed mm-hmm. to me that my observation was is that both the younger and the older wide receivers all seemed to do a pretty decent job of blocking. Yeah, there was definitely some good blocking going on throughout the game. There was a couple times I noticed where, like, we're doing better with that. This is a defensive note, but um, – in general, and I saw some of the commentators talk about this too on TV, our tackling was better in terms of just the fundamentals of wrapping people up and things like that was definitely an area I saw some improvement in. 
Yeah, I agree, especially some of our linebackers. There were some nice, clean hits uh, that I just didn't see a whole lot of um, last year that I just I just loved. They were like perfect kind of form tackles, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in terms of the, uh, the running game, uh, we definitely, it was kind of stop and go. Like there were sections of the game where we had some great runs and that I really loved. Um, I remember there was one in particular where I think this is the only time we did this, but we ran an option and Tommy kept it, and that was a got a good roar out of the crowd at the bar. That was fun. Um, so yeah. you know we we ran it. A, I think I think in the second quarter we got a little like the run was getting stuffed and we were throwing it a little like too much, uh, and then we kind of adjusted to that. And in that second half, we started diversifying that a little bit more. Um, so I liked a good bit of what I saw. The fact that we don't have a mirror certainly does hurt us. Uh, and I think I'd like to see a little bit more balance in terms of the run-to-pass ratio, it's particularly from uh, Tommy. You know, I think the fact that he is a dual-threat quarterback is something we need to take advantage of, for sure. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And in fact, that's going to be on my list uh, as well, is... Uh, you know, um, part of, uh, I think, the up-and-down nature of Tommy's performance uh, is that uh, uh, they're trying to protect him a little. Uh, it, it, it appeared to me, in terms of the play-calling choices that they were making, I think they were trying to protect him a little, and, and I, I think they, they can't afford to do that. Frankly, we're not good enough to be able to protect him. He, he, we need to use him to his full potential, and if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. And mm-hmm. so that means running him because I, I believe that he actually plays better after he's, he's taken a few of those runs and, and with the full intent of running. When he runs with purpose, he's very different than when he kind of is just out there kind of right. running. Right, and, running and from I, the sideline yeah, after a failed I, pass. I want, him, I want him to run a few of those options every game. Even if he gets stuffed every now and then, that's not the end of the world. I think it's important for him I think he feels more engaged, involved, and a little bit more um, energy seems to be flowing through his veins because after that play, you know, he, he was fired up. The, the follow-through on his throws was better, all those kinds of things because I think it just kind of energized him a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so we have to take advantage of that with a guy of his, with his skill set. And frankly, he's a pretty good option quarterback from the standpoint. Of, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he has a, a ton of history with it, but he clearly runs it pretty well. Uh, and, uh, and I'd like uh, to, to have them take advantage of that a little bit more. Right. Uh, well, and this just might be my perception, but I think compared to Taylor Martinez, he's got a bit more muscle on his body, and he seems a little tougher, like he can take a hit or two. Um, so right. I, I feel like we can be a little bit more hands-off maybe yeah, with I, that. I think it's less to do with Tommy and more to do with what our other options might be at quarterback if Tommy goes down. That's why they're trying to protect him, not because they don't think he could handle it uh, physically as much as if the you know uh, the, a horrible thing like that would happen. Uh, it, it's a big hit to the team. So, particularly in these non-conference games, do you kind of do you kind of save that that you know kid a little bit and uh, avoid those hits? You know, they get kind of accumulate over the course of a season. Let, let me go through a couple of my uh, pros uh, on on that then too, I guess. Unless, unless you've still got some more, I, I do have some more. But why don't you take over for a little while? Okay. Well, so uh, you know, from an individual performance standpoint, Alex, I just wanted to highlight a couple of people. I I, I was really pleased with overall the, the the wide receivers. 
but particularly, uh, you know, uh, Alfonso Moore probably had one of his better overall games. He still had a couple of things that 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 weren't great, but but mostly very good uh, from his standpoint. Uh, Westerkamp obviously, you know, had a had a very good game, but I've grown to almost expect that from Westy. And yeah. then, uh, and then the third uh, guy is the is the young fella, um, um, Stanley Morgan, who uh, maybe had a couple of passes go his way, but but more significantly is he went right in there, got physical, was a good blocker, and was clearly a, a big part of the mm-hmm. of the play calling and stuff because he was out there a lot. Yeah. And for a, a true freshman, that's awesome. I don't I don't remember the names of a lot of these players, but I do remember like a couple times I was like there was a good play by somebody and then I would look at the TV and they'd show his info and it'd be like, you know, freshman or, or right. sophomore or something. And so we hit, we had a, we had a few freshmen that showed themselves off well in that game. We sure did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and both offense and defense, uh, the, the, the fellow, the uh, young, the, the linebacker had some very good plays and seemed to do okay. There were times again, where he was very much exposed as, as being a, a freshman, but, but uh, really good individual performances. And I, I just felt like there was growth really on both sides of the ball, even through the course of the game. And that leads to my second thing, which is the improvement from first half to second half. Frankly, mm-hmm. at, at halftime, I was, I was concerned about us uh, maybe having a blowout situation where if they had gotten even one more uh, uh, you know, score, and then th- they might have gone off to the races and we would have really, really struggled to stay with it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. but we were able to, you know, make a play here and there. They they made a mistake here or there that allowed us to hang around. And then we came out in the second half with a very different uh, approach and attitude, uh, both physically and uh, and I think in terms of play calling. I think schematically we changed some things up, both defensively and offensively. We changed personnel on defense that really made some significant changes. We we made a change at linebacker and in the secondary both of which I think uh, were significant in terms of you know how we were able to cover. So I thought that that whole thing of improvement was awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I, seeing I, that defensive back growth over the course of the game, by the end of the game we were covering them a, a lot better. There weren't nearly as many wide-open receivers as there were early in the game. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up too, just in terms of I think one of the nice things about um, – Riley being an experienced coach and his staff being experienced staff is that they have a lot to draw on in terms of making those halftime adjustments. So I think they did that very well. And just in general about the defense, obviously uh, in that second quarter, they looked pretty bad and the secondary was an issue throughout the game. Uh, but in the, in the second half, particularly after that um, interception we got, which was definitely the turning point in the game to me, um, we really buckled down, partic- particularly with the run. Um, there were there were work sometimes where we let big plays through in terms of running uh, plays, but in uh, there were definitely some situations where we totally shut that down. We knocked away some good passes, and uh, and those some sections there in like the late third quarter, fourth quarter, where our offense was stuttering a little bit, like not converting on third downs, we had to punt it away. Uh, our defense had some nice three and outs where we stuffed them or kept them to field goals that when they could have been touchdowns. So they definitely stepped up their game in the second half. Yep, I agree. I agree. So what are some of the negatives that you came up with, the cons, if you will? Right. Well, here's just uh, one or two more positive things I wanted to mention. Um, 
And well, and this isn't just a, a positive thing so much as just an interesting comment, I think, on the national perspective on this whole thing, because there's been a whole shtick made that this, uh, you know, we had like this 29 game record streak of winning our opening games. And partially that's just because Nebraska's got a great history to it. But it's also got a lot to do with the fact that traditionally we played the Little Sisters of the Poor, if you will, you know, in a lot of our openers. You know, traditionally we've opened with a non-conference schedule that's pretty piddling. Um, but it's just interesting how in general across all of college football that's something that's kind of shifting because of the increased focus on strength of schedule for the college football playoff. I think you'll see more of that, you know, diversifying in the non-conference at the beginning of the season. I, I think that is true, and it's why this opening weekend had so many great matchups. I mean, you think about all the games we've already talked about uh, in a previous podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about later this week. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was awesome to see, all of those, uh, you know, great matchups, which not historically uh, would not have been the case. Yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, this was just interesting. I was looking at the stats for the game, and this was one I liked quite a bit, was that um, – uh, they had uh, 14 attempts on third downs, and they only made three of them uh, throughout the game. Now there was four; they made four attempts on fourth downs, and they made two of those, and some of those were critical. Um, but still, that's a pretty good stat on the our defense again. So I just wanted to bring that as a, as a positive, and then just as an overall thing, um, you know, we it sucks that we lost this BYU gate team because we were definitely the better team. I think our play overall showed that, um, but they were not a, uh, definitely not a pushover team. You know, like we said, you know, the, this wasn't a non-conference uh, little sisters of the poor kind of team. Their offense is just about as good as most other offenses. We're going to play against the rest of the year. You know, so I think that's just something to keep in mind when we look at this game. Yeah, but they're, their record may not reflect that because, again, their their Heisman candidate quarterback uh, injured his foot and is out for the season. True. Uh, as a result, the second so teamer I, played pretty good, though. Well, he did. He did, and that's what I was going to say was he played pretty good, but he, he's not, uh, you know, a two-year returning starter like Taysan was, uh, and so True, but, uh, but that's going to hurt them. From what I saw, though, that Taysan guy got hurt both those previous years as well at some points. Yeah. Yes, yes, he did. That's correct. So, yeah. So, how about jumping into the, uh, the right. cons? Okay. Well, yeah, we've already kind of discussed this one a little, and kind of an obvious one. Uh, the secondary, which we knew was going to be an issue before the game, definitely showed itself to be an issue, particularly with their just some of those matchups I saw uh, with the, those huge six-six receivers they had. Our guys were struggling to cover them in, in certain cases, and I and I also noticed. There was a couple times with that that their first string quarterback where they kind of spread us out during a pass, and then there was just a giant hole for him to run through, you know, and he made, you know, 12 yards, and they did that to us a couple times where they just ran it down our gut during a pass play. Or passing formation, you mean. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I yeah, absolutely. When that's, that's one of the strengths of having a running quarterback. It's just you... You know, defensively, it's very tough to scheme up and and defend that when you've got that athletic quarterback who can run away from your your defensive line and and a few linebackers. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was definitely a problem. I was very disappointed with our field goal kicker. Um, oh. It's it's I know they weren't like 
they were both like forty yard punts. So I know that's not easy, but like the the one at the end of the first half was like from the first second he kicked it, it was like completely off. It wasn't even close. Right, uh, and that's just not acceptable. It, it, and it's just you know, not. It, it's interesting. That was one of the ones I was going to bring up, and the only thing I would say is is that uh, you know I was pleased with with the statements he made after the game, you know, kind of taking ownership of that and, and recognizing it as a, as a competitor and as an athlete, you know, he, he didn't sound like a guy that was in the dumps that was, uh, you know, going to spiral into, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a confidence problem. I, I think he was kind of very, very professional with his, with his approach, acknowledged that he, he messed up, you know, certainly that first one was, was all on him, but the, the second one I think had a little bit to do with the holder because the holder, uh, our first string holder who he'd been kicking with most of camp uh, was the punter who got hurt in that same time frame. And so uh, we had a backup uh, holder and I think there was some problems with the, the snap and hold uh, that just kind of off kiltered their timing a little bit. So, but I, I'm going to be very anxious. I'm going to be watching very closely how he does obviously in these next couple mm-hmm. games. And that just reminded me of another thing. Um, which goes into this offensive line issue, um, but I was a little, I'm not totally sure on this. Is our center young? No. No? Well, there were just a lot of, I just noticed a number of times where Tommy was like jumping a little to grab the ball, like there were some high snaps from the shotgun on several occasions. Oh, and it was way too slow, Alex. Like watching it live, it was just way too slow. There's no way that's going to be acceptable. And the only thing I can hope is that because it was so darn hot, uh, I think you mentioned something about over 120 degrees on the field was made by the commentators in the game. Um, Ooh, I don't I know mean, about that, but they're saying 93 at the start. At the start, that's that. That was the air temperature. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, the bottom line is it was it was hot, and obviously, I'm sure there was you know some sweating going on there and. And maybe that's it, but but he has to snap that ball better, or we're going to have to find somebody else to do that job. Yeah, I mean, you just cannot accept that. Yeah, and then just the offensive line in general. There were points in the game where they were playing well, um, but the fact that we failed on all those third and shorts and yes. all of the blitzes that were getting through to Tommy and disrupting him was definitely one of the big problems throughout yeah. the game. I definitely have running game on on there, and 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 I put most of the onus on uh, on the offensive line. I mean, I I felt like you know the running backs really didn't it didn't look like there were holes they were missing or anything. I I think it was just we were really struggling to to move their their defense. Now part of that was they were very aggressive defensively, and they they blitzed quite a bit. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I know I know the commentators were saying he was doing some creative stuff with his blitzing because he's like a defensive-minded head coach right. and all that. He, he really was blitzing a lot. Now, the thing is is that you, you know, as a as an offensive staff, we need to do a better job of, of having a plan for that. You need to have audibles that you can go to, and Tommy needs to recognize that as a, as a player who's, who's been a starter for now two and a half years or two years. He needs to, uh, you know, be able to recognize that and change the play call, have an alternative so that uh, – you don't have a bunch of wasted plays like that at key moments in a game because they just they just blitzed us and shut things down and we needed to overcome that right and to to their credit like you said in the second half we made some adjustments that minimized that significantly true that that is true absolutely you know the a couple of other things that uh, you know you already talked about running games but we didn't even mention 
you know, probably the biggest con in my mind of this game. I'm disappointed we lost, but it's even more significant is the fact that we lost uh, some key players, mm-hmm. uh, potentially some for a, an extended period of time. And you, you hate to come out of your first game of the year with potentially you know two or three significant injuries already that are going to impact your team. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know about the guy who was hurt on like the last play until I started reading other things because they didn't focus on it on TV, you know. Right, right. And he's at a, at a position that, as we've discussed, defensive end that, that we're very thin at. So losing him for an extended period of time is going to hurt. Right. Yeah, that was one of my negatives was injuries. And I also talked to you about how we had a lot of like uh, cramps and just mm-hmm. like guys getting the wind knocked out of them which is partially probably just due to the hot weather but it was a where it was a string of them in like that first half for whatever reason yeah yeah i i i would agree that conditioning was definitely something of an issue yeah uh, and and some of that is just the nature of the weather you know we really didn't have a lot of intense heat like we normally do in august there in in nebraska and so i suspect that they didn't quite have as much of introduction to that type of uh, temperature as they normally would. Yep. And then this is probably one of the biggest and most obvious was just the penalties. We had 12 penalties throughout the game. And some of those, like the refs were definitely being harsh on us. Uh, The fact like there were a couple things that I feel like they let go with the Utah players, like how they rolled on our Sam Fultz's leg and all that, you know, that they didn't flag and all this stuff. That got me kind of frustrated, uh, but the but some of those were just totally on us, like the you know um, offsides or the illegal formations and things like that. You know, just definitely need improvement. That was one of our big issues under Bo, and that's something Riley definitely needs to focus on fixing. Right. Well, and and you know that also played into the lack of a running game because we put ourselves behind the chain, so to speak at the beginnings of, you know, offensive series pretty regularly with with these penalties that put you in long situations and compelled, uh, you know, our offensive uh, uh, coordinator, uh, Langsdorf, to, to make passing choices for his play calling. And I wish he wouldn't have done that, but, but he, he kind of probably felt like that was the best choice because of the down and distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do recall there was at least a couple times where, like, you know, it was like second and 15 or something. And instead of like going for the first down, we did something where we were like went for seven yards or eight yards and made it third and manageable. And I personally like that kind of play calling that we did. Oh, I, I did. I did, too. It's just that some of those situations you find yeah. yourself throwing the football a lot more than you want to. Yep. And so that was my main points for negatives. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention? You know, just just in terms of uh, uh, what I would call scheme choice, you know, obviously it's easy to second guess, but I'm not a big fan of the prevent defense. I'm a, I'm a believer that the prevent defenses prevent winning, and uh, and uh, we proved that again uh, this weekend. I mean, I, I, I just think that you, you've, you've played the game for, you know, 59 and a half minutes or more uh, in a certain way, and then all of a sudden because you got one play left, you're going to, uh, you know, totally change it up and have three or four guys sitting there in the end zone ready to supposedly tap the ball down and get rid of it. Uh, and maybe that works, but when you have a team that has three six-foot-six wide receivers, you, you need to maybe reconsider 
uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and maybe come up with a way that you're going to shorten yeah. the amount of time that quarterback has to throw the football. And and you know with with the injury on that occurred on that play, we we were rushing with four down linemen, and that was pretty much it. There was no one else. Um, and uh, one of those guys went down early in the play with an injury, um, and so there were really uh, you know five blockers or or maybe even six blocking three players, uh, and so that quarterback had all day back there. Oh yeah, and that's just unacceptable. Um, yeah, well, so I I thought that I thought that from a that choice standpoint and the timing of some of the uh, uh, um, timeouts that were that were called, you know, and when they did it. You know, those are all things you can kind of question a little bit. But, you know, that's just being a, you know, 2020 hindsight um, fan. Right, yeah. And, I mean, that's just it's kind of a strategic decision. You could blitz them, but if your blitz fails and there's a guy wide open downfield, then people would be ripping Riley apart for choosing the blitz. Mm. I know? wouldn't necessarily blitz, but 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't abandon all those players and put a bunch of them in the end zone like we did. Yeah, well, and we just... We had like two or three red jerseys around, and we just needed one in front of there him were, instead there of were behind. Seven. Go back and look at that. There were seven red jerseys around him. I know, but in terms of like right on the guy, there were three, I think. Right. And right. But none of not one of them was in front of him where they nope. needed to be. That was exactly. the problem. Exactly. But it's one of those things that I saw some people posting that it was karma for our Northwestern win a couple years back. Yeah, which, and and I, you know, I think I that actually made this more palatable was people kind of were able to say, well, you know, we, we reaped the benefit of this not long ago. I guess this is just payback. Yeah, and just getting in terms of overall kind of thoughts about the game, I was definitely disappointed. It was tough because, you know, like I said, there was the crowd and that bar was really getting amped up there at the end. Uh, and then to end it on that last play definitely took the wind out of our sails, and I'm sure it was even worse than the stadium itself. Um, But having had, you know, a day or two to reminisce on it, you know, doesn't affect our our standing in the Big Ten. You know, we showed there were a lot of positives, like I mentioned, that I liked coming out of that game. You know, Riley talked in the post-game about how he loved the fact that, like, this team fought hard, you know, and that was something that you kind of saw sporadically under Bo. We had a couple great comebacks under him, but a lot of the time we would kind of fold in on ourselves, you know, when we got behind and we didn't do that here, which I definitely like to see. Um, And like I said before, you know, this BYU team, while we were certainly the better team, I think as we proved as the game wore on, um, they weren't a bad team either. And, you know, so they were, they were a credible opponent, you know, it was an entertaining game at the very least, you know, so it's definitely one that's going to be in a lot of the high rent reels on ESPN coming out of week one and all that. So I just got to, it's just, it's all going to be based on what happens in the upcoming weeks. Does this game uh, make us fall into a little bit of a slump because we got off to a bad start? Or is this a teaching lesson for Riley and the team and we really learn a lot and improve as we go. That's what I hope for. Alex, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, that's, ex- that's a great summary. And <laughs> with, with that, I would suggest we, we call, call her to the night. And, uh, and uh, like you kind of described at the beginning, I, I, I think what we're going to try to do is, is uh, do another podcast here later in the week in which we do a review of some of the other national games from, 
from uh, yesterday and this weekend, I guess. Uh, and then also uh, look forward to next weekend's slate of games. But, uh, but uh, for now, we'll just uh, call, it, call this one good. But a uh, lot of fun doing it, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to do what you did uh, out there with the Californians for Nebraska, and it was certainly a joy for us to be back with family. It was great uh, uh, to be with uh, many of my brothers and sisters and uh, family, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, if you out there enjoy listening to this podcast, you can subscribe to us on uh, footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can find us on iTunes. We're College Football Throwdown. Uh, You can leave a comment, uh, rate, subscribe, review, all that fun stuff. And uh, hope you all out there enjoy this opening weekend of the greatest sport known to man and uh we will see you with your our reactions on some of the other games uh here in a day or two see ya go big red go big red